It's Monday, February 27th, and we have Ben Waters of Blue Atlas. Scott goes to a beer dinner and more of the best night. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It, Virginia, your number one podcast source for food news and interviews with the people who make Virginia restaurants great. Follow us on social media at Eat It Virginia and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise and I am joined as always by my friend, my friend Roby Martin. After a month of not drinking Roby, I'm just now recovering from my wild night out. So I was going to ask you, but I didn't want to be insensitive because I knew how excited you were about the beer dinner that was happening there over at Fine Creek. So many people said that they saw you, but didn't say anything. You're such a star. Oh but yeah, huge star. Huge, huge star. We all know. Into the room and the record scratch, and everyone turned. I bet head. it did. Is that the guy from um, the podcast? Said nobody. Said everyone. Uh food, hundred percent. I bet. The food was amazing, and actually, I don't want to spoil it too much right now because it's going to get into it in our best bite segment. But okay. I do want to send a shout out to our friend Chef Sarah who runs the kitchen over there. She invited me and my friend Benjamin to experience the beer dinner with them. And we had a wonderful time. Unfortunately, Chef Sarah is sick. She's not, she was not there. Oh no. Um, I missed her smiling face and her her hospitality, but her crew did a great job over there. And um, I think the March beer dinner is sold out, but hopefully they'll have more beer dinners coming up uh, this spring for everybody. I love, that's such a beautiful venue out there. It's a, it is a gorgeous place to have a beer dinner, like gorgeous. And she is a, I mean, they, they, they know what's up with the food out there. Always impressed. So I'm stoked that you got to be a part of that. Can't wait to hear about the best bite. Cannot wait to hear about the best bite. But first we have, speaking of good bites, we've got Ben Waters on today. He's got some real culinary chops, doesn't he? The way he describes his restaurant and their philosophy and the work that he's put in before uh, opening this place, truly remarkable. Looking forward to everyone hearing Ben's story. Blue Atlas out in the Fulton neighborhood. Reconverted schoolhouse. Um, It's a really neat property if you haven't been out there. It's very. My suggestion is the next time that the weather is like at all attractive, like even a smidge. You should go out there. Also, I tell we talk about the wine tasting slash appetizers things that he does. That is really the moment to experience a lot of their incredible food, in let's, my humble opinion. Let's get let's get to it with Ben Waters from Blue Atlas. Scott, have you been out to Blue Atlas? You make me feel so bad when you start off these podcasts this way. (laughs) It hurts my heart a little bit because there's so many places that I need to go and so many places that I have not yet been in. Unfortunately, even though my background on this Zoom call is, I think, your, just your backyard, Ben? That is, that is the patio, yeah. Yeah, It's a beautiful photo and I definitely want to visit soon. Tell me about it, Roby. Well, we're fortunate that we have Ben here to tell you about it because I think he knows a little bit more than I do with regards to Blue Atlas, I will say that you, Scott, you have time to get out there. It's been open, I don't know, Ben will tell us how long, but I'm gonna say a year, maybe a little longer. Um, And it's getting ready to be warmer, which I think is when that gorgeous patio behind you um, 
well, it looks very nice right now. I mean, look at your sunset you have, Scott. Um, <laughs> is is maybe like the greatest time to visit. So Ben Waters' wife Rachel both are chef de cuisine slash owner slash all the things of the Blue Atlas, which is in an old reconverted school. We have Ben with us today. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, um, yeah. I do love our patio. It's come a long way since we first opened uh derek my bar manager is a super handy guy so all those lights you actually see in scott's background those didn't exist originally and we actually did a wedding and a random lighting company basically did that very similar setup and as soon as i walked out there i was like we should copy this like immediately um and then he came up with the plan and he put in those two little garden beds you see there too um which were really great because we did a ton of like uh preserving of those things in different methods but then to use later in the winter season so it's kind of cool to be able to like you know take some stuff we actually grew and continue to use you know like pickled peppers way into january as opposed to you know buying not great peppers oh gosh yeah i, I think avoiding buying not great peppers is definitely a lot of people's goal ben so i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad that you that you you're at least vocalizing it now so ben you actually your history with food is the reason why you and I started talking actually over Instagram is a, it comes from like the Noma space, right? Like your, you stodged to start off with. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I was already, by the time I went and did stodge stuff, I was already a sous chef at a place called Brasserie 1010 in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and that is a, was a, a real staple. I mean, it had already celebrated its like 15th year anniversary when I was there. Um, insanely busy, insanely popular. Um, and so that was a really good like training ground for me to learn how to be like super high volume and deal with the pressure, but still also putting out a very quality product. And then I wanted to kind of look into the next space of what what is separating that restaurant from like the big guys of you know that are on the Michelin star guides and making the top 100 lists. And actually a friend of Rachel's um, was the general manager at Next. And we had just maybe a couple months prior to that had um, went there to do their vegan menu. And I'd never really done any fine dining like that where it was like, you know, 20 plus courses. Things are very extravagantly plating. They did like, they changed our table. I mean, maybe six times throughout the dinner. Like the physical table they changed? Like, yeah, like literally at one point, Rachel, this, we tell this story all the time because it was almost like a joke. There's this thing in the middle that had like, it looked like, you know, just like a regular centerpiece with like some floating flowers in it and like some rocks and stuff like that. It was actually a marinade, marinating the flowers that they turned into a tea, like for your intermezzo course. And Rachel made the joke. She's like, at some point, we're probably going to eat these flowers. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that's silly. But of course, they actually do that. But they changed like the tablecloth. They brought like for a hot apple cider course, they literally burned a log and served it out of a burnt log at the table. So there is definitely a lot of theatricality to it, but I feel like it really kind of helps bring in. And I feel like it's probably Grant's Grant Atkins, the chef of both Alinea next. His biggest thing is he wants to involve more than just your taste sensory and really wants like the smell and the sound and the sights to really play a big role in your experience at eating at his restaurant. So have you seen the menu, the movie? I actually literally just watched it the other day. So I hear that the floor dessert, let's not get yeah, too yeah. much away, is yeah. very spoiler, much a, Spoiler alert. 
Well, there's a well. It's not a spoiler because Grant, who you stodged for, yes, had that was kind of a. I mean, let's just be honest. The menu is a spoof on everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right? He like, posted it. He posted it when people him. made the comparison, obviously, because he there is a dessert. I don't know if they still do it or not, but I did it when I was there, called the chocolate mat, and they literally roll out a mat across your entire table, and then like shift six chefs come from every direction plating everything crazy like sauces and liquid nitrogen this and frozen that and dehydrated little cakes and i mean there's like it's an entire cart that comes out i mean there's like 60 plus components on it this is the restaurant in chicago right the one you're yeah, talking about yeah, right now yeah so you worked there and in boulder is that what i'm hearing yeah yeah i did a uh most stages from when i was there seemed to only last like kind of for like a week um I was there for six, so that was significantly longer than your average person. Uh, but that was really the only thing that afforded me to do that is my brother also lives there. So I was able to stay with him for free. And I, I told Roby as well, I was under the impression that this stage would be unpaid because I just thought that was like the game. Um, but like literally on paycheck day, the you know one of the managers comes down and is calling people's names to get their paycheck. And she calls out mine. I even was like, oh, that must be, an, you know, you guys must have made a mistake because that's, I'm not, a, I'm a stodge. I'm not a real employee. And she goes, oh, no, no, you're definitely getting paid. Um, and they, you know, they gave me an hourly rate plus my overtime. Um, so, I mean, it was, I, I made significantly more money than I was expecting. Significantly more than zero. So, yeah, that totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> significantly more than zero. So let's go through your trajectory because I, and I want to get back to this stage thing, but I think it's worth talking about with someone who has had experience and was expecting not to be paid. Cause I think that it's very much a employee should get paid in my head thing, but maybe you have other things to say then, but how, how did you get where you are now? Like where did the food thing start? Um, I feel like I probably always kind of been into it as a kid, but never like thought it was a professional thing. Cause we always talk about it at work. I love, Maybe when I was in middle school, starting in middle school, the original like Japanese Iron Chef that they'd show on Food Network, me and my dad, I thought that was the coolest thing because they were let alone using ingredients that I'd never heard of living in Wisconsin. And then like also showcasing that there's such like a world to being in the like the culinary industry and not just like, you know, making cheeseburgers and stuff, even though cheeseburgers are great. But I mean, there's a, there can be a lot, lot more to it than than that. Um, and then uh, I had worked at some restaurants in high school, but more just to like make money. Um, and then once I moved out to Colorado, I actually worked at Whole Foods um, for a while, being the manager of the charcuterie and cheese department, um, which gave me a good product knowledge. And there's this guy that used to come in all the time, and he's very noticeable because he's six six, and everyone knows who he is except for you know like me. And uh, he would always come in and want to try all of our rarest, most unique French blue cheeses. That was always his thing. Um, and then once I became like the actual uh, purchaser for that department, I started really trying to almost like get excited. Like, oh, man, they just put some like crazy Roquefort out that the only very special allocation. I'm going to get it. And as soon as Tony comes in, I'll have like a little tasting set up for him and it'll like blow his mind because he comes in and would buy whole wheels. And you get like a 10% discount, at least at the time you did. And he would just, unbeknownst to me, he was taking them back to the restaurant and selling them on cheese boards. Um, 
so then he came in and I gave him a huge tasting and he was like, you know, I could sure use more guys like you working for me. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know how to cook. And he goes, oh, no, no, that's the easy part. So uh, after that, I just became Tony's like personal apprentice for a number of years. Um, learning at two of his two of his restaurants, uh, all the way from like pantry all the way to being one of his executive sous chefs at his more fine dining restaurant. And this is in Milwaukee where, where are we talking right now? This is in Boulder. Oh, in Boulder. Sorry. Yeah. Got it. Boulder is such a fun freaking town. Like I've only been honestly, I've only been <laughs> once in my life, but it made such an impression on me that if, if I was somewhere to ask me, like, give me three cities you want to live in the rest of your life. Boulder would definitely be one of those top three. Oh yeah. I mean, if I, if I had the money to live in Boulder, I think we'd live in Boulder. I always tell my crew at blue Atlas, I was like, if we kept our view and you picked up blue Atlas and just plopped it down in Boulder with the look of the mountains, we have, that's a $10 million restaurant guys that we, we currently own right now. How did you end up in Boulder? Um, I, I actually way before I met my wife, I just followed a girlfriend out there on like a vacation and never left. It's a way to do it, Ben. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. leave, leave the girl, stay in the good city. I'm, I'm, I'm totally for that. Absolutely. So Boulder, and then you decided you're like, uh, I need other experience. Like, was that something in your head or was that something in Tony's head? Uh, Tony, they definitely, they were, they are an extremely supportive group. Um, Tony being the executive chef and then uh, a good buddy of mine, Mike Tremor was the executive or the, the executive chef of the brasserie and they uh they let alone so i went to a i went to school after already working for them for a number of years but they it's through a program that's us like a sponsoring house so they basically paid for me to go to school um but i had to, the way it's like much more of an old school european style where i had to we only went to school one day a week for 10 hours and they give you all these assignments you have to go down and your chef at your restaurant is supposed to go through them with you in your daily work day and you have to maintain uh full-time hours throughout the whole process i mean it took three years but i mean i still got like a full degree and all that sort of stuff and you know they teach you everything from like the most basic sanitation all the way up into like writing schedules and costing recipes and you know the more behind the scene bookkeeping that it is to be like an actual restaurant owner and a chef um and they were extremely supportive of that and then once i you know, got more involved as a manager writing menus and stuff. I think Mike really saw me drifting towards like trying to do more fine dining and bringing in more advanced techniques and things of that nature. And he suggested that I should go do um, some stages. And then, you know, like I said, Rachel knew that guy that really opened the doorway for me. Cause I mean, I emailed him like two times and he was like, okay, yeah, just tell me what dates you want. And that made it like, yeah, I was one of those where I expected to jump through a hundred hoops to never hear from people, never do this. And then it was like two emails. He's like, yeah, sure, you got it. But it just also shows their level of like their commitment to the stage program in terms of that, like they have a set marker that they are refusing to ever go below. And if you want to be part of that and they and like work for it and work towards it, they really want those style of people to come to them. And that's like I said, like I, I viewed me going there when I thought I was unpaid is like, this is, I'm going to get paid in knowledge. And I knew I was going to get to eat at the end. And that was a big incentive for me. Cause like, I can't, I can't afford the sticker price of a linea, like just any old day, 
But, uh, you know, if you're going to hand me that in a reserve pairing, I'll give you a couple weeks worth of work. Do you think you could have done that free labor if you didn't have a place to stay? Um, it would have definitely over, it would have definitely made it a lot more complicated and definitely much more of a financial burden on me being able to do that. It probably would have taken some more because that was something I really wanted. Um, but yeah, definitely it would have, I probably only would have done like two weeks and it would have taken me longer to get there. Cause I would have had to figure out the financial of making it work. Um, but I will say instantaneously of me being there, I had another buddy I, I that I worked with in Boulder. He was a FOH guy. And I told him I was coming to Chicago and he's like, Oh, he's part of some big restaurant group. They own a bunch of bars. Um, and I went into like one of his restaurants and we were just having drinks and his, his manager came out and was talking to me and he was like, yeah, my Ben, my buddy Ben is here to like work at Alinea. And the guy was like, like cook, cook. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'll cook there. He immediately handed me his card and said, when you're done, you call me. And that shows to me right away that they have a standard in the industry that people know if you can hit that mark, I'm definitely willing to work with you. So that already in within 24 hours showed me that putting this on my resume will open doors. I think I watched a whole documentary on Alinea. Um, it was on Netflix or, or I forget which channel it was on. So what in that kitchen, obviously you knew what you were getting yourself into going there, but what specifically blew your mind about that kitchen? I think the level of that, what's like the best way to put it? No one is like above anything in those buildings. Like, I mean, I there's like when I was there, there's this guy, Mike Bagel, who was the CDC. And he is like, I mean, he might as well be the Pope. Like, I mean, the guy walks on water. He's he's unbelievable. He's an inventor of tons of crazy food um, that like, you know, way above my head at even. And he was like four years younger than me. Um, but he would also be one of the guys. So every hour at both those kitchens, every hour someone calls it out, you break down. I don't care what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. And you move everything to the middle table and you literally scrub from the ceiling to the floor and then someone comes by with the squeegee and someone comes by with the dry towel and you do that every hour because everything has to be spotless at all times. But like the, the sous chefs, the executives, everyone, they are right there scrubbing, 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 scrubbing because it's important that everyone do it as a whole team and no one's above like, what? I'm a sous chef. Why would I possibly use a mop? It's because it we want the kitchen to be clean. And that's, again, it's always going to be coming back to the standard that they set that's un. There's no question. It's only this or nothing. You're the make sure you cut your tapes on your um, your camera. I mean, <laughs> I used to be a lot more OCD on things of that nature. Now I label so many things at Blue Atlas with like. I mean, I, I do tear now. <laughs> I, I was used to. But I mean, man, Such it's an the embarrassing things that, thing for a chef to admit <laughs> tearing the tape. I, mean, I know. Gosh. I know. What, but how, I do how pedestrian. I tell them no matter what, I don't care if you can see through the container and it's literally cherry tomatoes. I want it to say cherry tomatoes with the date, no matter what. I don't care. That That's fine. Because then I love being able to front face everything and I can read every label all in a row. I like that a lot. <laughs> he likes it, Roby. I, you know what? It, I like what I like, too. I'm not I, saying it's bad. My, I just think it's so funny. My cover's the same way. Like, you don't cut the tapes. Yeah, my cover's not that way. I do have a lot of containers but when you work in a kitchen you you end up with all those plastic delis oh, yeah. so you and deli stacked up we have a whole use-up yep. shelf just full of old delis of like 
all right, I'm not going to serve this, but that's a good salad dressing for staff meal tomorrow. <laughs> it's, my, it's all in my home refrigerator or deli. Which is like new. Ryan never worked in a kitchen my other half. And so he's always like, why are there's all these things? And I'm like, well, when you worked in a kitchen, you like know what everything is. And like, yeah. you can use this. Yes. So there has been i've never worked in in chef grant's kitchen right so like i can't there's rumors there is a lot of rumors that he is maybe the best word to put is not that nice in the kitchen um and does that translate to you in the kitchen now if that's the case or did that make you different in the kitchen if he was that way honestly i never really saw grant as the one he does he has his signature pose which is him always doing this and he's watching you what you're doing. And if if it ends up being something he doesn't like, you'll see him do one of these to a sous chef and they just kind of whisper. And then that dude is off like a pit bull. And he is going to, he will be correcting the situation. Um, but you did, I will say I did have some like great moments with, with Grant of like, cause then once I was staging there and like, I, this is that next. And like, you know, doing all the different stations or whatever. And he's like, today, he's like, are you on hot apps today? And I was like, I was supposed to be. And he's like, why don't you just come with me and we're going to do a special together. And he was like much more teacher mentor than I would say, like, I don't know, overly like, but he is a perfectionist. He definitely cares a lot. Um, I, I, but I, the only time I saw anyone like go over the top, was the actual chef of next chef Dave Brenna. Um, there were multiple lambs getting sent back for being under temp. And uh, one of one too many came back. and He definitely vocalized <laughs> uh, his displeasure with that. But I, I never felt anything they did was um, over the line by any means, honestly. Um, and like I said, I feel like they're trying to achieve a standard. And if you have one person that's willing to let it slip, that's how you lose your standard. So they have to have, make sure everyone is always on the same page. And like all the guys had little tips and tricks to like stick with them. Like when I was being shown a new dish, one of the chefs are going to show you. And like, it could be something as simple as how they want a potato cut. And my, my one buddy, Ed told me as soon as they cut that potato and he's like, all right, I want a whole eight for it. Just like that. You take that one and you put it in a little ramekin on the corner of your board. So when they come back and double check your work, you can be like, look, it's exactly like you, you showed me. It's exact same. That's, that's the kind of like the mentality. And if you're just like more on their wavelength than their page, I feel like, you know, they're very supportive and helpful and they show you little tips and tricks and how to plate and how to do this, that like, I mean, I never once felt like, man, if I get talked to like that again, I'm not going to work here. And does that translate to your kitchen? Do you feel like you have that same mentality with, because I mean, what is this? You, Blue Atlas is the third restaurant? No, fourth restaurant. You in Richmond, in yeah. Richmond? So La Mer, La Mer, Brenner, Loy, Blue Atlas. Um, I mean, not necessarily. I think I kind of, I, I feel like they're in a different, a different league where it is important to you know, the, the, the strict standards and restrictions they put on things and like knowing my place in the grand scheme that is the restaurant industry um, and like knowing that we're in Richmond and, you know, you're going to get a certain level of talent that you get in Richmond versus like, you know, Chicago or L.A. or New York. There are definitely different breeds of cooks in all of those places. Um, 
But then also remembering that, like, I wasn't born good at cooking. Someone helped me be good at cooking. And that's definitely Rachel's philosophy, too, that, like, we are always going to be a teaching kitchen and not like, like, how dare you not do it perfect every time sort of kitchen. Um, and, you know, we've had, like, I mean, I we have I have a high school kid that currently does, like, prep for us right now. It's only one day a week. And he's simply just working on, like, his knife cuts. And, you know, if he messes a whole bunch of stuff up, then we're having soup, you know? It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not that big of a deal. And there is, and, like, also, like, I feel like you have a guest standard where, like, you know, if you were going to Alinea, your expectations for the price tag and for the experience and all the recognition that they have is going to be way up here. I don't think I'm in, you, you don't put us in the same category because we're really not. And I think that's that's the same way I would handle like how harsh I would correct someone as opposed to teaching someone like, hey, that's definitely not what we're looking for. Let me show you and walk you through the steps one more time so it'll end up to, so I can show you so you get the result we're really looking for. And it might even still take like three or four more times. But that's just the way, I mean, that's just the way it is. So what is the elevator pitch for Blue Atlas? For for those of us who have not visited before, what is what am I getting when I go to Blue Atlas? Uh, a... A small plate, shared small plate experience from like a global cuisine um, and trying to, we have the menu broken up into the four regions of the world uh, and we definitely try and represent them uh, to the best of our ability. Um, I, I love being like a food dork when if I find something on Instagram that I, I've never heard of before, or a cool, like, like the George, we have a Georgian flatbread on. I really had never known anything about it until Rachel brought it up. And then we both do like the deep dive on why they make it the way they do, why they're using this certain type of yeast, why they do this with the cheese and all these cool components. So that like, you know, we're learning along. Um, but yeah, you, and, and also the, the yin and yang of both Rachel and I, is I probably cook fine dining, classic food. And she cooks like more new age vegan vegetarian food. And when we meet in the middle is what you kind of get at Blue Atlas because, you know, besides us in Europe, most countries aren't eating meat every single meal of the day. Um, and that is definitely super helpful for Rachel to be on board because she knows so much more about those styles of cuisine than I do. And then you really can get something for everyone as opposed to, you know, like, I don't know, like Cheesecake Factory style. But there's still definitely like some cool you'll have one foot in your comfort zone and one foot in the like, oh, this is cool. I'm not quite sure what, you know shawarma braised lamb neck tastes like but i'll try it i de i would heck yeah actually it sounds amazing so from chicago to richmond and then you met your wife how did that no, no then i went i went back to i went back to boulder after being in chicago um i lived in denver for a while too because i kind of wanted to get out of the little boulder bubble um and then yeah i was still working at the browsery and we met um and then we lived there for like uh, four more years. Yeah, that's an yeah. That is that he mowed right past that. How did you guys meet? Oh, she came into the one of the women. <laughs> one of the women she worked with worked for me. It's funny now that I'm so into the vegetarian stuff now because she worked for me, and then she was like, "Hey, my friend is out at the bar. Will you make her something?" And I was like, "Yeah, for sure." So I like you know do the typical look through the window chef style, and I'm like, "Oh." Pretty girl at the bar. I definitely want to cook her something cool. I start cooking. Her friend tells me she's vegetarian to stop cooking what I'm making. And I make her any something anyways. 
Um, it goes over well. She gives me her phone number. It, we had an open kitchen. Gives me her phone number through like the pass. And uh, I called her a couple days later and we went on a date. And then, I don't know, five years later, we got married. So all of us single guys have a very important question for you. Because if, you, <laughs> if you're cooking, landed you this hot date, what did you make her? Like exactly, Oof. what did you make her? You don't I don't know. That was a long time. It's a long time ago now. Does she remember? Like, here, here, I bet you she does. I may, but here, here's the I think might have been the real winner of really landing her was <laughs> being very Wisconsin and from whole the whole food stuff. Our second or third date, I had prepared a whole cheese tasting of like 15 cheeses. And then I talked to my bar manager who had paired things about this big with every single cheese um, as like our second date we ever went on. Yeah. I don't know you very um, well, Ben, but I think I would marry you after that. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was, uh, I think, I think we both knew we were food dorks. And then, you know, she also look at me and like, she's the one who introduced me into this fine dining world. I had never heard of next. And that was our, that next, the first vegan one was our first vacation ever together, like outside of Colorado. Um, so that like, we went and did that dinner. And then I remember literally at that dinner telling her like, I'm going to work at this place. I want to know how to, how do they do this? And then like six months after that, I was working there. Behind every good man. There's oh. a woman. I'm just going to say it, Scott. Just going to say <laughs> oh, it. I don't think Rachel's behind. Rachel's leading me into the end <laughs> of the front. That's what I was going to say. Thank you, Ben. Jeez, Rob. Oh, I love it. First. She has a great... Um, so the two chefs at Blue Atlas, both Ben and his wife, Rachel, are extraordinarily talented. And we're, um, we can talk about Rachel real quick. She um was at the head of the kitchen at El with Thompson's correct yep. when you guys came here yeah she also Wait. she did a like a good year and a half over at Seco as well oh that's right I totally didn't even think about it. sure 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 so I mean going into your own restaurant right is I, I have only done it as a family member um I owning it and coming up with the whole concept like how much time does that have take do you have are you mulling it about in your head while you're cooking somewhere else or i mean she was still at elwood's and i was still at alloy um and we had already had the it had been proposed to us about doing this new restaurant but originally when we first were doing it before we knew terribly too much we thought it was going to be maybe just a rachel solo project because i was doing i was the executive chef at alloy um but then um once our son was born she did her time staying with them at home and then I had my turn and then the pandemic really hit. So I went from being three months um, and in that time is when we really worked together and kind of decided that this was going to be, this was going to be our next project together to really have, she had concerns that doing an all vegetarian restaurant might not survive in Richmond yet. And that if we could add in stuff that I like to cook to the mix that we could make it, you know, the success that we currently have now because we have the vegan night speaking of elwoods we have vegan night two nights actually on uh wednesday thursday both totally sold out from then the executive chef of elwoods is coming to hang out with us now what are some of the things that uh you thought your owning restaurant would be like and then once you opened the restaurant it's either exactly how you thought or totally different than what you thought 
Um, I mean, it took it's it's a lot of um, there's a lot of worry <laughs> if you're gonna stay busy. Um, and you know, obviously, we opened in the beginning of the pandemic. Again, the patio really saved our butts on that. Um, because I mean, we had people eating out in November with full coats on just so they didn't have to be in a room with other people, which totally made sense. Um, but then we did like the the take home dinners. Like you had to really. I didn't think we have to do quite as much adapting, but when the pandemic hits and you have a new restaurant, you got to figure something out. You can't just like, you know, roll over. Um, I always joke with people though. You want to wash more dishes than you've ever washed before. Go ahead and open your own restaurant because you're going to be washing a lot of dishes. Um, I think the tough thing has been anytime because Rachel and I will not, we refuse to fail. Um, and if that means that one of us or both of us have to work every single day for two weeks from open to close to make, cause you know, someone quit or we don't have dish or whatever the case may be, that's fine. We do that. Um, and I think that has helped us retain the right people in our building that see that like the owner and the chef, I will be on the ground with you too. I cook the service with you. I'll clean the service and I will empty the dish machine just like everyone else. Because you know what? It all has to get done no matter what. And I don't really like, I don't see myself as not, if I'm cooking on the line, then I'm a line cook for the day. That's a-okay with me. I'll scrub the ground too. That's fine. Um, and that definitely like, I think has kept people around knowing that like, they have, they have a chef that's willing to do everything with them as opposed to like, no, no, go ahead. Line cooks, take out all the trashes. Has your menu changed since you opened? I mean, I know you guys change your menu, but is there something that you're like, Oh, I thought this was going to go over incredibly well. And it just didn't or vice versa. We have a, we have a couple things, but it's funny how now, like from the very beginning is nowhere. We're so much bigger and busier now than we were obviously when we opened. And there were dishes that were on the fence, um, like the Georgian flatbread. We used to eat that like for staff meal every other day and turn them into like little pizza boats because um, it just wouldn't sell. And now on Fridays and Saturdays, I, we can't make enough. Um, and that's been on since day one. And it's like how that's gone from, oh, man, we're never selling enough to, oh, man, we can't even prep enough. Um, and that that's so there's part of that. There's dishes that we've now that didn't take off in the beginning. We've tried again and they'll like sell out the door. So it was really just more of getting, I think, the um, like the name recognition and people really trying to understand or like really understanding the concept of what we're doing here that like you can try this weird curried broccoli paneer thing you've never had before, but it's only $11. So if you hate it, it's not the end of the world. It's not your main entree where you're like, oh, man, I took a risk on that fish. It was 42 bucks and I don't like it. Yeah. So, Scott, are, are you excited about Blue Atlas now? Don't you like paneer? <laughs> You know, I gotta. I think. I think it's gonna be the year. This is gonna be the year that I go to Blue Atlas. I think it's twenty twenty three. Looking up, looking up for me. What would you tell Ben? What would you tell people who are listening, whether they want to be in a restaurant industry or not? What would you tell them about making that that risk, that jump from working in a kitchen, a stable environment, to to going out on your own and and following your own dream, whether it's in the kitchen or whether it's whatever the field, what would you tell that person listening right now? That's kind of stuck where they are and looking for that inspiration. I mean, things that exist now didn't exist when I was younger, which is cool to let people try the restaurant side of things without such a financial burden. And you have cool things like hatch and hatch local, letting people get into those spaces and try their pop-ups and try their concept out before really, you know, 
going way into the deep end and, you know, taking out a big loan um, and, and getting into that sort of side of the business where, I mean, you are putting a lot at risk if you do a small business. Um, and, you know, I will say as a small business owner, it has been, I always, I had no idea what people were talking about when they're like, I don't care for how much like local government interferes in their business. Now I definitely can see because the local government wants my money all the time for everything that I've ever done ever. And it's, it's kind of surprising of how little I feel like I get reciprocated for giving away money at every turn. Like, I mean, it's one of those, I, I, I struggle with the concept of we wanted to put a sign on our building. They wanted me to pay them money to put a sign on my building that I'm paying for. And I was like, well, what part of this equation did you help with? Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand. And why why are you taxing me for putting things on my property? I don't I don't quite understand. To be it, clear, but... Ben, my question to you was what inspiration <laughs> would you would you give to people that want I mean, to get into business? But you just I mean, he's saying don't pay the local government. I saying, well, yeah, I mean I'm saying it's 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 a there's a lot that goes into it. Okay. But I mean I think if you can you can really well that's why I was saying we're in parallel. Now with the smaller, the ghost kitchens, you know, you can really get out there and test the waters before you have to commit to like a brick and mortar. And like, look at someone, perfect blueprint. Look at ZZQ now. They used to just be a food cart and a pop-up place. And now they have one of the most successful restaurants in Richmond. And they just opened up the Easy Burger thing too. So they were able to make sure that they could test the demographic if they liked their product, if they could sustain enough business to be a restaurant. And then they did the other step of probably finding investors and that type of stuff to put a, to get the brick and mortar. And then obviously they used all their previous knowledge and know-how from all their other restaurants to make their restaurant successful here. And I think that is the, is probably the new format of, you know, getting into the restaurant industry as someone that isn't part of some massive restaurant group that you want to, because, I mean, if I if Rachel and I were 10 years younger and we were going to do it here, I would definitely try to be getting it in it hatch local and figure out, do people really want to eat the food that I want to make? Are they excited about it? Is the concept a good idea? And if it is, then that's a much easier sales pitch to someone to invest money in you. If you are can showcase, look at these numbers. What if I was three times my size? So it's definitely it gives you bargaining ship, I think, with these new concepts. Now you and Rachel the Shark are Tank not... of restaurants hatch local. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and Rachel are not only business partners and let's just say life partners, but you're also parents as well. Yep. When did that happen? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say how years that ago. Happened. I was like, Scott, this is not the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three years ago, we had a little baby boy, Finn. Um he's my dude. <laughs> I love he I'm definitely it's one of those people always ask me, do I want him to be a cook? And it's like, I don't. <laughs> but he does. He's already does everything we want to do now. He has his own special little prep table and he has his own everything now to copy what mommy and daddy do. So three years ago is 2020, obviously. And, and your Blue Atlas opened what month of what year? October of 2020. 2020. So new restaurant and a new baby. Are you crazy, man? Uh, we com we committed. Yeah. Um, but it was also the, the, our landlord really, uh, was a big part of getting us in there 
when we when we did um and uh let it be from the location and the build out and the design and all that sort of stuff you know there are definitely gaps in the restaurant building that she definitely filled that you know i have you know i don't know how to decorate a bathroom or where what parts to order for even making it the proper you know so it'll pass code she took care of all those type of things and that that definitely like and, you know, let us use her interior decorator for the, you know, the dining room and the market layout and those type of things, which really come into play where it's like, you can lift that off my shoulders. So now I can go into the kitchen and tape where I want my equipment 75 times to make sure it fits exactly the way it's going to fit. So how are you guys balancing? You mentioned that that both you and Rachel are perfectionists and, you, and you're, you're not going to let your business fail. Being a parent is a full-time job and... Obviously, emotionally, mentally, it's it's strenuous. It's beautiful. Like, how are you balancing all this? I mean, we we now like the the full system is she works in the mornings and I work at night. Um, Finn goes to school five days a week now, which is really only from nine to noon, so not a real school day. But I mean, he's three, so it's totally normal. Um, and I I get my own personal time. I take him to school and I come home and I have my personal time from then until 1130 when I go and get him. Then he's either with one of his grandparents or our nanny. And then usually by about 536 dinner time, uh, Rachel's home with him. So then she has the entire evening with him. And I think like any parent that has a young child, you get a lot of stuff done after 830 at night. Um. <laughs> but how did, uh, how did how did having a child change you and change your your drive or change your work ethic? I mean, it, it's impossible to go through that experience without changing a little bit. So. Oh, I mean, my dad really helped like frame it for me in the way that it's like you know, everything that I do now is not just for me; it is for the family. And if that means you know, oh man, I didn't get the extra time to like relax and watch my favorite show because I had to work on menus or I have to be there at 5am then that's just the way it is sacrifice some personal niceties to make sure that family is having a success and now and, and I'll tell you as, as, a, as a dad I didn't really have when Finn was an infant we weren't like super tight because you know an infant really only needs or really only wants mom and that's obviously purely out of food and love and comfort. But man, soon as he started to get into that where he could like kind of crawl and play and do that kind of thing, that's when I feel like me and him really started to like, and now we go out to eat. That's daddy day is Sunday. We go out to eat every Sunday and like, he's as hype as I am about it, about like, oh, we're going to go get, if we get nachos, we live in Forest Hill. So if I go get nachos at the Vale in Forest Hill, that's like top tier Finn food. He like he'll be like <laughs> fist pumping in the car. That's, that's like top tier Scott food too. Toast. By the way, that's, that's top, top tier Roby food too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. The the boy has exquisite taste. It's either he wants he'll ask for that by name, and he'll ask for Smashburger RVA by name. Nice, Michael. That's a good. Oh, he'll be like, place. can we get the can we get burgers the really good ones? And I was like, yes, we can. <laughs> I really enjoy the wine tasting slash snacks that you guys have i think it's if you're not a haven't been to blue atlas scott and you want to try some of the things that's like a really excellent way to get some snacks and some wine 
Maybe you're going to tell me one of those is coming up. <laughs> we're doing another one in April um, okay. to kind of be like the kickoff. Me and Derek are kind of coming up with the idea of it right now, but be the kickoff of like kind of your grilling season where you kind of want to like, you want to sip wine and hang out outside. So there'll be a lot like, uh, you know, Derek will curate all these bottles from all these purveyors. But I also do have a friend of mine. She worked at Sub Rosa for forever and she does two fire table where she shows, you know, you know, Sarah. So she cooks, she shows people how to cook outside. She's going to come and bring her setup so we can literally all the little bites. We're going to do all off the grill. So fun. So, oh, so little, again, that? there'll be a visual, a visual component to, you know, us cooking outside. Cause we're going to do, we're going to take over the whole lawn and do a nice setup. And also uh, an employee of ours, her dad is in a pretty popular cover band and he's going to come out and do music as well. And I was like, that's, I feel like we're unintentionally, it's turning into a very dad rock sort of grilling and drinking rosé kind of atmosphere, which, you know, is okay. I have the perfect clothes for that, by the way. My whole, yeah. wardrobe, my whole <laughs> yeah. wardrobe is that, so that's great. It's I, With you, I imagine like all seersucker. That's right. Yeah, that's a totally Scott. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> him in his fish t-shirt. He'll be out <laughs> yeah, there yeah, listening yeah. To, the, to the dad rock. Perfect for you. Seriously, Scott, music, lo local cover music, perfect. Grilled meats and other treats and rosé. That is right up your alley. I love it. You're listening to Eat It Virginia with Ben Waters, Scott Wise, and Roby Martin. Obviously, it's cool to have Ben on anytime, right? But with this whole movie, The Menu, which has come out, um, Ralph... Ralph Fiennes, 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 Fiennes. I don't really know Fiennes. how to pronounce his last. Thank you. Yep, sure. Um, see, you're, you're so good at it. Um, it's actually pretty cool to be able to hear him talk about some of the stuff that goes on in the, the spoof, I guess, or food horror movie. I don't really yeah, know what it's a satire. It. It's a satire on his old boss, pretty much. Some of it, yeah. Some of it sure is. And it's cool to listen to him talk about the dessert that is spoofed on in the movie. It also is really cool to hear him discuss, and also with a lot of relevancy, the unpaid stages that happen all over you know, at some of the better restaurants because of, you know, the experience that's made with fingers and quotes. And how, even though I think Grant, who was Chef Grant, Chef, who he worked for, um, has been known to have some personality to him. You can take that however you want. Um, he did pay his stages. Um, it's neat to know too. That part is nice. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to go to the restaurant so I can talk to, to him and he and his wife more about the, the meal that he made for her that won her heart. Cause remember he couldn't, he couldn't remember the exact thing he cooked for her. So hopefully she remembers. I don't believe him. I, I, think he's I, think he's just that, I just think he's keeping that to himself, which is what fine. Answer? You know what? He can do that. Not fine. Wants, I, I want to know. All right. Maybe she'll tell you. That's exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Perhaps Perfect. we can make a best bite. For somebody so they'll fall in love with you oh that there it is best bites look at I'm you gonna, i'm gonna jump in. In, i'm gonna jump in first if you don't mind oh no i'm hoping this is what i think it's gonna be so no i think you should be first we talked at the top of the podcast about my beer dinner experience over at fine creek and the team over there prepared a, a great four course meal each paired with obviously a fine creek beer or you could do a, a blenheim wine we did the we did the beer um but the best part my sweet tooth the desserts was a my surprise face here it's it a, 
it was a bet noir, which is like a flourish chocolate cake. And wow. it was sublime. So, so. Give me some more details. Let's well, I will. Smooth, chunky, smooth. chocolatey. It was smooth and it was like, not, I wouldn't say bite size, but it was like two, two bites. It, it was perfect. Two bites. Yeah, perfect after a, a kind of a long meal. And then I talked to, to Chef Sarah a little bit about the, the story behind this particular meal. Ooh, we got background. She said um, the dessert, so it was, had a little cream, like creme, creme fraiche or whipped cream on top a little bit. And she said that she went down by the creek. Obviously, Fine Creek is on a creek in Powhatan. And she right. foraged foraged spice bush branches and roots to infuse in the cream of the dessert. So um, very creative over there. They have the little gardens and she's always pulling berries and, and doing cool things like that. So, I mean, obviously I think she's like stupid talented and I'm, I'm excited that you are hanging out, drinking some beers. How were the beers? He's real talented too, that brewer. Yeah, the beers are very good. Um, I liked my favorite one was the Avec Frere 9 uh, Belgian Triple. So... Ooh, big More beer. Be- I am a Belgian fan in general. What what did they pair that big beer with? Uh, the Coconut Braised Short Rib. Uh, big beer, big entree. Love it. That sounds great. It was so good. Great. What was your best bite since last we spoke? So, you know, I, I was telling somebody the other day that I think that this kitchen has like moments of like shining light. And then sometimes the light gets a little duller. But I was at Parterre, which is the restaurant attached to the Linden Row. Um, it's a beautiful patio, has great, you know, they've done a bunch of different things inside now. So, like, when you're staying at the hotel, they have, like, some to-go snacks and fun little champagnes and stuff. Well, I had fried oysters, Scott. They were incredibly well done light breading crisp the oysters were not too large so they were an easy one bite but the breading wasn't too overwhelming so that means you could taste the oyster you didn't get like that breading surround and then the oyster glop in the middle it was they're great they're absolutely great and that was my best bite of the week heart hair for the win i like it yeah Lovely. I want to throw some headlines at you, some food headlines at you to see uh, your, <laughs> your instant take. <laughs> okay. Your, your, hot, your hot take on these headlines. What do you think about Randy moving restaurant Adara to the old Mama Zoo's building? Uh, I have a lot of mixed feelings on that. I think that they're in a neighborhood that really could use them right now. And I'm sad that they're moving out of it because I think that neighborhood has good neighbors for them to be in. But I also talking about Jackson. The, you're talking about Jackson Ward for those who don't know where Restaurant Adara is. They're moving into Oregon Hill, um, in the old Mama Zoo space, which also has a ton of history and probably a load of memories for everybody that has been in Richmond for some time. So will that continue? Like, will you do like you do in Oliveto that's in Buddies and think about the, like get nostalgic about the big animal that was on the wall there. Um, Not that there was an animal on the wall at Mama Zoo's, but like, you know, that was dark and there was wine lining the way to the bathroom and that kitchen is very tiny. And, you know, they had the door guy that wouldn't let you in without all of your party at, and I have memories there. So I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I know that the food is wonderful at Adara and it will stand up to any location. I just wonder how this move from a nostalgia standpoint will go. 
Well, the alternative, I think, was to tear the restaurant down and build apartments. So this has got to be better than that, right? Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about the mill at MacArthur closing over there on north side Richmond? I, I don't want to hit somebody while they're down. I, I, I Quite frankly, I, I have not been in years. And the reason why is I didn't have a great meal the last time I was there. But that was years ago. I have heard a lot of lamenting on how great it was and how sad people are about it. There's a, a couple of those individuals that own the Mill at MacArthur's. They've been around in the restaurant industry in Richmond for quite some time. I mean, there'll be an exit of some of our pretty talented restaurateurs from a historical standpoint. Um, I do hear, wink, wink, that there's going to be something good ha- going into the the spot so oh i don't know <laughs> Give any other adjectives besides good you can share that's all i got <laughs> mm. that whole little strip over there on macarthur it's a, I mean, it's a fun little area that you guys it have is. never been there before that i mean there's some good spots my kids and i have loved going to Mill macarthur you know it's not not fine dining by any stretch of the imagination but it was a it was a pretty consistent spot for us to go and just have a burger or you know just kind of get out of our comfort zone of the suburban west end into you know the city Sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know how it was in the last couple of years. I just want to make sure I'm very specific about that. I have not been, but the reason why we don't go is because Dot's back is there and I know how that is. So we go there instead. It's kind of a weird one. I, I saw the headline and I read the story from our friends at Richmond BizSense and I was a little, like, I felt like there were some things missing in terms of like backstory. But so a few years ago, when we first started uh, doing um, food reporting. It was just back when we, in our Facebook Live days. We went to the Pearls Bake Shop. Remember over on a uh, yes Patterson or Three Shop? It's yeah Patterson, right? Owned by Lori Blakely at the time, right? And so she sold it to I think a group of sisters. And then this article pops up um, that the owner of Deep Run Roadhouse purchased Paul Hubbard purchased the bakery and was going to return it to its glory. And then he like had these, this like statement that was a little, I mean, it was cryptic? like, a, it was a pretty strong statement, but like, yeah, it was very cryptic. So what do you know about that? So I've heard, and this is all hearsay. So anybody who's listening to this, um, that it wasn't particularly easy to work there and the quality had gone down a bunch. So not only were the employees not treated as well as they could have been, they were not utilizing the same quality as had been as had it been previously when it was owned by someone else. That is what is it, the rumor. So I look forward to him treating employees like they should be treated and cupcakes going back to being quality cupcakes. That's where I got. What do you think? Did I interpret that well? <laughs> that was very political. I like that. It was, that was a very good statement. Yay. And you, and you know, it's a fancy place when they have a two P's and an E on the word shop, you know? I mean, if you're going to have two P's and an E, you got that good quality cupcakes. You can't. I got to yeah, tell you, like nothing irritates my mom more than a shoppy. This episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> Eat It Virginia? <laughs> really? This episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> no! Oh, God, no.